Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast, part of the Full Press Radio Network. My name is Kyle, and while I don't have any co-hosts tonight, I am joined by a special guest. Here to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, I have Brad Harbin. Brad, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, Kyle. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for coming. I mean, we're here to just uh, inform everyone about all the teams during the series, so the fact that we have someone who is knowledgeable with the Jaguars coming and contribute is uh, it's great for us, so thank you. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a native of Jacksonville. Been uh, been following them since they uh, joined the league back in '95. So, uh, yeah, happy to help out. Awesome. Uh, do you want to talk about uh, what you do uh, in terms of uh, your con- the content you create, the work you do? Sure. Uh, I guess uh, uh, some of the things I do here, I, I do write for uh, full press coverage uh, covering the Jaguars. Um, about about an article a week uh, should be should be more, but uh, my uh, my home life uh, kind of takes me away from that. I'm a, I'm a foster parent. I have a uh, six six kids. They they keep me pretty busy. In addition to my uh, my normal uh, nine to five job uh, in uh, product development with a business firm. Definitely ready to you know uh, ready for football season. Uh, last week kind of. Kind of got me, you know, pretty excited, and then of course uh, the news uh, from Saturday night with uh, mm-hmm. Andrew Luck and everything it definitely uh, has caused uh, quite a stir here in Jacksonville. Yeah. So okay. Well, I guess I was going to ask about Jacksonville news, but I guess really at this point, Andrew Luck news is dominating. So, uh, do you think that's a significant improvement on the Jaguars' chances to win the division? I gotta, I gotta be honest with you, Kyle. Um, ab- absolutely. I mean, before the injuries. Uh, I mean, a couple months ago, uh, I had a had an article. I even uh, was on a radio station, and I talked how I, I just didn't really see how see all the love for the for the Colts. Really, I mean, uh, I mean, sure they had uh, Andrew Luck. Uh, they they were a rising team from last year, but uh, what people don't remember is they had they haven't scored a point on the Jaguars in the last six quarters. Um, so that that always weighs in the back of my mind. Uh, I, I don't know if uh, Jacksonville seems to handle luck in the in the game pretty pretty well. So I mean, even before the his injury or his retirement, and then the injury to uh, Lamar Miller, uh, pretty much the same the same night last Saturday. I, I think even before that, it was the AFC was up for grabs. I mean, c- compared to a lot of the uh, uh, talking heads out there who you know were ready to give it to the Colts or or the Texans. I mean, I think definitely the playing field has been leveled and uh i think it's a it's an opportunity for for jacksonville to um get back to the top of the afc south here in 2019 all right and i mean as much as you know whether a team wins or lose doesn't directly impact football uh for a team like the jaguars who are probably gonna run a lot and be a team that identifies with the with the you know the run and that sure having that kind of production come from the running back being in the lead and not falling behind against tough opponents is going to be really key. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that was, uh, that was definitely the hardship last year. Uh, so 2017, uh, Jacksonville was definitely had the advantage of, uh, you know, kind of dodging the injury bug where last year that was, that was not the case and certainly not making, making excuses. But I mean, if, if you look at, um, I mean, some of the numbers are very glaring. I mean, barely, over 15 points a game, only 17 first downs a game. That's uh, definitely towards the bottom, uh, the bottom of, of the NFL rankings. Period, and a lot of that has to do with 
the injuries they accumulated on the offensive line. Uh, everything from uh, Cam Robinson, the starting left tackle, going down uh, early on in the season. Um, the left guard, Andrew Norwell, who was a big free agency pickup. They expected a lot, of, lot out of him. He basically played hurt uh, for the majority of the year and actually ended up uh, missing uh, several games towards the end of it. Uh, once again, Brandon Linder couldn't stay healthy at center. As the year went on, uh, there were third, fourth-string offensive linemen on on the patchwork of, of the offensive line. Uh, so as much as everybody wants to point the finger at uh, Blake Bortles and, and, uh, and his troubles from last year, a lot of it has to do with the offensive line, not able to get a, not able to get a push, uh, even – with or without Leonard Fournette in the backfield. Um, of course, Fournette uh, had injuries too, missed, uh, missed eight games. But when he was in there, there wasn't a, he wasn't very effective. Uh, the holes weren't opening up. The linemen weren't getting to the second level, to the linebackers to uh, really, you know, prolong, prolong the play. And speaking of prolonging, when you have, you know, a top five defense, you want to keep them on the sideline for a little while to, to get them rested. So, once again, go, going back to the stats, only 17 first downs a game. Uh, just 2018, just so many three and outs, uh, bad field position, mental mistakes, penalties, moving them back even further. Uh, so the defense would come off the field and be right back on there again. And there's only so much you can ask for a top five defense to uh, to do. And eventually they're going to get put in a in a unfortunate situation and and, you know, give up some points and, Last year, really, teams only needed, uh, you know, three touchdowns to beat the Jaguars, basically. And uh, so hopefully this year, the dodge the injury bug, especially on the offensive line, they've, uh, they've got some new faces uh, They uh, via free agency and the draft. Uh, they brought in uh, Cedric Awehi, uh kind of a journeyman uh, who, can, who can play either left tackle or right tackle, which is going to come in handy because he's uh, – He's definitely a step up from their swing tackle last year, Josh Wells. So having the ability to uh, plug him in on either side is going to be a helpful. And of course, in the second round, they drafted Juwan Taylor from uh, University of Florida. A lot of people's mind, a first round talent that fell to them in the second round. Uh, he's battled a little bit of injury bug this off this off season, but uh, he was able to uh, get in there Thursday night, kind of show what he can do right now. He's slotted to be the, uh, opening day start on the right tackle side. And then, um, as I mentioned before, with uh, Cam Robinson, with the, he had the ACL early on in the year. There was a lot of speculation whether or not he was going to be able to make it back in time. And just this last Thursday, he he did start the game. He only played six snaps, but in a lot of minds, that was uh, six snaps more than a lot of people thought he would do at that time. So that was definitely a good sign to have uh, Cam Robinson come back and secure that left side for um, – for Nick Foles and, and the offense. Well, and then you finally named the last name, right? The big, uh, the big addition, uh, because I mean, you know, it didn't change the coaching staff. So suddenly the first most important thing after that is the quarterback and Absolutely. bringing in Nick Foles. Is he going to be an improvement over Blake Bortles? Uh, absolutely. Uh, when, when there was all the talk that was going on, I, I was, uh, I don't want to say it was a Foles basher, but I was definitely kind of, uh, concerned a little bit because uh, I knew he's going to come with a hefty price tag, but everything that I've kind of seen during the offseason, during the training camp, uh, his, his accuracy is far and above uh, what Blake Bortles had, had shown the last five years here. Uh, and 
of course, his his ability to win, to win the game, uh, not not just a Super Bowl MVP, but I mean, even last year in uh, with Philadelphia, uh, he was he was a play away from uh, getting them to the NFC Championship game. And what 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 the fans need to remember here in Jacksonville is that Foles doesn't he he's not going to be Pat Mahomes, he's not going to be. Jared Goff, he's certainly not going to be Brady or Breeze and their legacy. He's he's probably even the second best quarterback in the AFC South behind uh, Watson. But he doesn't need to be that. He needs to be efficient. He needs to he needs to uh, get those first downs on third and six. Uh, you know that I mentioned before. He needs to uh, he needs to move the ball down down the field, get the get the defense in better situations, and uh, and hope for something to happen. So I, I think the concern that surrounds Foles is that uh, he may not have the the type of talent that he had in, in Philly, uh, with, you know, with Zach Ertz at a uh, tight end and Alshon Jeffrey and even the play calling from uh, Doug Peterson. But uh, what he does have here is he does have a relationship with uh, his former quarterback coach, John DeFilippo, who is now the offensive coordinator here in Jacksonville. So there is that connection. Uh, he He's come in, he's done everything that uh, has been asked of him. He's, uh, certainly shown the leadership. There's been uh, interviews with uh, several of the guys uh, just talking about, you know, trying not to bash Blake in any way and what, what he's uh, and how he was before, but, you know, really just kind of focusing on the, the difference of, of the type of leadership between Foles and Bortles. So uh, Foles is older. I mean, he actually, if you look at it, he's, he's started, I want to say, 20 or 30 less games than uh, than Bortles has in his in his career, but what he does bring is is a presence, uh, some leadership that this uh, that this town and this franchise is uh, needed for a while. So, uh, just speaking of Foles, is there any receiver that so far through training camp, even back to OTAs, that he's developed the most chemistry with? Is there one particular receiver that he seems to be locked in on? Well, uh, judging from uh, Thursday night's game in Miami, uh, Foles. Foles threw 10 passes and six of them headed to uh, D.D. Westbrook. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm not a math whiz, but that's 60% of the passes uh, going to one player there. So, and uh, D.D. is D.D. is one of the more talented uh, receivers on the team with his uh, shiftiness and his quickness, his ability to get open, uh, especially uh, in the slot position. There was um, with uh, Chris Conley, who's also a recent addition, from uh, Kansas City, uh, he was uh, in Kansas City, really kind of down the depth chart. I mean, with all the weapons that they had there, fought the injury by a little bit. So he's come to Jacksonville as well, looking for a little bit of redemption, maybe a you know a little revival. Uh, I mean, he's a he's definitely a workout freak, very speedy, uh, taller than than I anticipated, and uh, he he's going to be their deep threat. And I, and he and Foles have a relationship from their time in Kansas City, uh, mm-hmm. a good. I guess a professional professional relationship as well as a as well as a friendship off the field. So I look for uh, both Westbrook and Conley to uh, to make some noise in the passing game for the Jaguars this year. Now with Westbrook, I know last year he played a lot out of the slot. Is that going to continue under DiFilippo, or are they going to move him to the outside? It looks like it's going to um, pretty much uh, stay the same. Uh, the, the majority of the time is going to be in the slot. Uh, I, I, Filippo definitely likes to move people around. Uh, so you are going to see him on the outside. You're, you're going you're gonna to see uh, the possibility of getting the ball as quickly as possible on a, on a bubble screen or even maybe a reverse 
or just a, a, a you know a quick slant, anything like that to get the ball in his hands because he he is quite a playmaker. Uh, last year he had a nice little uh, punt return. He definitely uh, put on his uh, his uh, Xbox moves if you if you were uh, with that. Uh, so I mean, just very talented kid from uh, Oklahoma. Um, just d- dynamic with the with the football in his hands. Uh, so uh, they're going to find ways to get him the ball one way or another, whether it be the slot, uh, in the motion package, or on the outside. Excellent. So it seems like he's the number one target, and you're talking with Conley on the outside. Is there another receiver that seems to be getting a lot of first-team reps on the other side opposite Conley, or are they just rotating that position? Uh, they're they're pretty much rotating it. Uh, look, look for the second-year man from uh, LSU, DJ Chark, uh, to mm-hmm. – to uh, also come in and and, and make an impact. Uh, Chark is, uh, once again, another talented, fast receiver. Uh, he, he does seem to have a little bit of an alligator arms, which uh, uh, basically means uh, going across the middle. He's, he doesn't like to, uh, you know, really stretch out for the ball. Uh, I'm hoping that they continue to work with him on that. But as far as a deep threat and someone to, you know, maybe run a, a 25, 30-yard flag route to the – to the to the end zone, uh, he he could definitely be the guy to uh, outrun both the corner on the inside and then take take it take it away from the safety. Uh, Keelan Cole's looking to bounce back uh, after a wonderful rookie campaign in 2017. Uh, he he had some hardships last year with uh, drop drop passes, uh, both him and Chark actually. Uh, so Keelan Cole's on the on the roster. He he can be an impact as well. Uh, he's he's definitely been taking some reps. Marquise Lee, who suffered a uh, season-ending injury as well last year. A lot of people kind of forget about him uh, with all the other injuries that uh, happened shortly after that. But Marquise Lee, of course, is the veteran on the team. Uh, He's not as dynamic as he was uh, back in his uh, USC days, but uh, he he could be the one that that could help Foles move the chains on on a third and six, third and four. Someone who's going to find the place in the zone because of his experience. And, uh, you know, Jacksonville shouldn't be looking for him to really be the burner. Uh, we have enough of those. Uh, he he's going to be more more of a possession type receiver, uh, something somebody to move the chains. Somebody I'm really interested in, and we just haven't really seen a lot from him uh, this postseason. Uh, and I want to say late May or early June, the uh, Jaguars also uh, rolled the dice on uh, Terrell Pryor, and uh, Terrell Pryor, of course is a uh, converted quarterback uh, to, to receiver. He came into the league as a quarterback from Ohio State and uh, spent, spent a couple years with the Raiders. Uh, and then he's kind of shuffled around. And in 2016, I believe, uh, with the Browns, as really when he uh, made his debut as a wideout, uh, amassing over uh, 1,000 yards, about 77 receptions. And then he just kind of, you know, just kind of disappeared, which – you know, no offense, Browns fans, but you know, um, you didn't really have a quarterback back then to uh, to get him the ball. So, so he he's kind of bounced around uh, Washington, Washington, New York, Buffalo, even, and uh, now he he's he has another chance here in Jacksonville as well. And he he just turned thirty, uh, so this could be um, possibly his last stop. And just something with with uh, with Pryor, I find interesting is with with his background. I think that they could do a lot of things with him. Uh, I mean, not just not just his size. I mean, he's six four and a half, about two two hundred forty pounds, can run like the wind, and uh, 
that makes him definitely a weapon in the in the red zone. Uh, you know, bringing him in inside the twenty yard line, matchup difficulty with either either a with either quarter corner on the side, and, and then a safety. You know, uh, he has the athletic ability to go get the ball and snag it at the, at its highest point. But also, I, I think there's a possibility there could be a wrinkle there. Maybe throw him in at, as as a wildcat option. I mean, the guy is pretty dynamic with the uh, with the football. Uh, if you remember him from his Ohio State days, and uh, also really. I don't know if this is necessarily a role, but bringing him in, uh, he, he could be a decoy as well. He, he could demand the double coverage. Of course, he's going to have to get on the field to do that. He's been nursing a hamstring for a couple weeks now. And it's uh, actually kind of – I'm kind of curious if he's actually on the bubble whether or not to be on the team. But I, I think the Jaguars would, uh, would, would, would find it hard to let him go because I, I, think, I think he could have an impact on this offense uh, one way or another. Excellent. Yeah, actually, I forgot about Terrell Pryor a little bit too. I remembered about yeah, the others, I mean, even Marquise yeah, Lee, but yeah, I forgot Terrell Pryor signed with them. Uh, uh, so one position group we haven't addressed yet, but are still pass catchers, is the tight end group. So yeah. What? Uh, who's getting first team reps at tight end? Well, right now, uh, the their uh, the projected starter is uh, Jeff Swain. Uh, just he, another free agent uh, acquisition. Uh, came from the Cowboys, where he, uh, of course, uh, played behind future Hall of Famer Jason Witten. And uh, Swaim is Swaim is definitely more of a just a power tight end, uh, blocking tight end. But he he does he he is able to uh, get out in space and, and get open and, and and has relatively good hands for uh, for his size. Of course, a lot of the going back to the draft, a lot of people had us or had the Jaguars taking. TJ Hawkinson as a, as a tight end because really in 25 years, I got to be honest, uh, there, there hasn't been that dynamic tight end that uh, a lot of teams, you know, can flare up, whether it be Zachers up in Philly or, or Kelsey in uh, Kansas city or even a young Jimmy Graham. Um, and it's not like they haven't tried. Uh, it's not like the front office hasn't tried. I mean, they, they brought in Julius Thomas after his days, you know, scoring, Double-digit touchdowns in Denver with uh, Peyton Manning. They brought him here, and he was a complete bust. Um, Mercedes Lewis, great guy, a great team player, uh, was here for several years. I uh, never really, never really reached the the peak of of what everybody thought he was going to do, his potential. So, so they brought in Jeff Swain, but they also in the third round this year they decided to take a chance and went with a, a rookie. Josh Oliver from San Jose State. You know, Josh Oliver, San Jose State, a team that I think they, I think I saw they only won one game last year. Uh, you know, what, what, to, what can he bring to the table? Well, from uh, what we've seen in the uh, in the postseason or in the offseason, is uh, he brings a lot. Uh, he, he's got the speed, he's got the hands, he's got the uh, the maneuverability in, in the line. He find he finds the open spaces. Uh, he's Already made some uh, acrobatic circus circus catches in in practice, so he could potentially move into that role as a, as a starter. Right now, uh, he's once again uh, another one that's uh, dealing with an injury, but trying to trying to fine tune his his blocking blocking skills to, to you know really just kind of balance out every everything that he can do. So I would say Oliver and Swain leading up to. Uh, to the tight end um, number one position, if they can get on the field in a couple weeks, 
if not, um, they uh, the Jaguars also brought back James O'Shaughnessy, a, another uh, another tight end, kind of the same build as Oliver, but a but a better blocker, uh, probably because of his experience in the league. Um, O'Shaughnessy, he he's got I would say hot and cold hands. As I've definitely seen him make some uh, amazing catches, and I've seen him uh, have some just bounce off his helmet or bounce off his hands. So uh, he he's you're not really sure what you're going to get with him uh, when it comes to the pass catching, but as far as uh, run blocking, he's he's going to be pretty solid. So tight end still a little suspect once again here in Jacksonville, uh, going in our our 25 year anniversary and still looking for that uh, difference maker at tight end. So what I'm hearing here, as much as you know, there's faith that Jeff Swain and eventually Josh Oliver could do well. Really, the, the receivers to target on the Jags are all the wide receivers. Obviously, D.D. Westbrook, and I feel like he's going much higher than everyone else, and I think everyone's kind of bought into that. I mean, he had a lot of targets last year. So, yes. anyway, uh, um, it seems like you're suggesting people target someone like Chris Connolly or or D.J. Chark or Keelan Cole before they go after any of the tight ends. Um, I, I would say so for, for right now, yes. Uh, um, and and out of that group, I, I, would, I would really just kind of stick to Connolly – Conley very late, uh, just really because of his uh, prior relationship with, with Nick Foles and his ability to get open down the field. I, I think I think there's some big play opportunity now, and, and that would really come in handy in a standard league, uh, PPR league. Obviously, uh, Westbrook's going to be the guy to go go with. Uh, I, I think if anything, his stock rises in a PPR league once again for the uh, six out of ten targets that he had on uh, Thursday night, and but uh, but. But Conley could could break open for some for some deep passes and uh, you know get you some points in a standard league. By the way, I did look it up. Um, Nick Foles has started forty four games in his career. Blake okay. Bortles has started seventy three. I oh. didn't realize it was that big of a difference, but uh, yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah, twenty thirty, that's close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, quite a discrepancy. I mean, Foles Foles has been around a while, but I mean, he's only had the opportunity to start a couple times, and uh, you know. Uh, Kind of hit and miss, uh, really. So uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully here in Jacksonville, he'll be, he'll be back on the hit train. And you're hoping for playoffs, because I mean, one thing he does have is he has six playoff starts, and Bortles only had three. So right. uh, there's definitely a bit more playoff success with Foles. Um, Absolutely. Now, uh, probably the most important fantasy player for for the Jags, we, we haven't mentioned him yet. We've kind of danced around him a little bit, but Leonard Fournette. Do you believe yes. that he could be an RB one again? That that is uh that's the question, Kyle. Um, you know what? Which 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 Lenny are we going to get here in Jacksonville? Is it uh, going to be the one who uh, produced for the most part his rookie season in 2017, or is it the one who's going to, you know, miss eight games because of a hamstring and also a bonehead play? It's it's hard hard to determine. Uh, this offseason, uh, if, I don't know how much everybody. Uh, caught up with it, but uh, he apparently went out to Wyoming and did some training out there. And, and then he came back and he did the OTAs and he went to the first four and then he just kind of disappeared. It's going to be interesting. The, the, the offense runs through Fournette. It, it has for, this will be the third year that it does that. Uh, the, the difference that's going to be is the amount of balls he's going to get thrown to him uh, reception wise. Now, uh, D Lippo, he likes to use the uh, running backs in, in the passing game, kind of create mismatches with with linebackers, 
uh, get them on the edge, get the ball to them quickly, and let the uh, running back uh, do their thing. And uh, so that's going to be a new role for for Fournette. Uh, I mean, I'm really kind of looking to him to possibly have anywhere from uh, four to six catches a, a game in addition to his, uh, you know, uh, hopefully ball control offense. He's going to run the ball 15 to 20 times. Uh, I think that that definitely kind of shoots him up the chart a little bit. I, I've kind of seen him lumped together with uh, maybe Damian Williams or even on Johnson up in uh, Detroit. And I, I tend – I tend to lean towards Fournette just because of the ceiling uh, and the amount of touches that he could get. And most of all, his nose for the goal line. I mean, the guy, when, when it's inside the five-yard line, the guy runs with reckless abandon. Uh, that, that goal line is his. Sometimes, I mean, uh, sometimes he overdoes it with uh, taking, a, taking a leap probably about four yards to the goal line. But, but uh, he definitely has a nose for the, for the goal line. He has, you know, throughout his college – college career up, up until uh, now. Uh, so if, if you're looking for, for scoring points, I mean, the potential is there for Fortnite to bounce back and uh, RB1 territory, uh, you know, possibly a top 12, top, top 10 running back this year in Jacksonville. But he's got to stay healthy. He's got to stay on the field. I mean, you talk about touchdowns. I'm looking here in playoffs and regular season. He's played 24 games. In those 24 games, he has – 20 touchdowns there you go so yeah uh, definitely almost a touchdown per game it's it's uh you know if you could over, only ever do it for a full season he would be i think for sure an rb1 but yeah um, just looking at receiving totals and you mentioned if you can catch three four passes a game and he did it sometimes even last season right one game he caught all five targets for 56 yards and a touchdown and without tj yeldon is there is there any running back that scares you away from him getting touches, whether it's just running or, or uh, receiving it back? Not necessarily. Uh, I, I was a little surprised. So another, uh, once again, the front office was trying to, trying to build, build the position up. They brought in some, they brought in some uh, experience, uh, including Thomas Rawls, uh, Alfred Blue, and Benny Cunningham. Now, Benny Cunningham was one I thought that was going to be more of a scat back, third down back, uh, based on his career. And uh, he actually got cut, a, uh, I want to say, a couple weeks ago. It kind of kind of caught me off guard um, that that they let him go. Maybe maybe that's a good thing for Fournette. Maybe he's showing that he can handle the load on third down. Or is, or is there somebody else in the, uh, in the mix? Um, Alfred Blue, uh, once uh, – I mentioned him. He came over from Houston. Uh, Blue's Blue Blue's a guy. I mean, he's been a backup running back pretty much since his college days. I mean, if you look at it, he at LSU, you know, big time LSU program. Uh, he was uh, backing backing running backs up there. Uh, he comes into the league. He's been been a backup in Houston. Uh, he has been asked to uh, you know start a few games. Uh, he, he is pretty solid on uh, special teams. So. Uh, Definitely look for Blue to to hang around and and um, and contribute uh, more on the special teams and possibly in the running game as long as Fournette stays uh, healthy. But they did uh, they did address the position in the draft uh, in the fifth round uh, with a uh, Raquel Ar- Armstead from Temple. Uh, Armstead built similar to Fournette, uh, which uh, I think was their idea last year, bringing in Carlos Hyde, which was a disaster, but. 
Arch said he he runs with uh he runs with a he runs north and south. He he's 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 looking for contact. Uh, I mean, in fact, one of the uh, one of the plays that has been uh, shown over and over here in town is in a, in a practice. He he took something off off right tackle. He took the took the hand off off right tackle and and popped the linebacker, the rookie linebacker Quincy Williams popped him. Williams' uh, helmet flew off, and uh, Armstead just kind of kept on running. But uh, uh, so I, I like him. Uh, he he comes here from, like I said, from Temple, and he he didn't really he doesn't have a lot of tread on the tires, uh, unlike a lot of the other college uh, running backs that come in, come into the league. So uh, I mean, he's relatively fresh. Uh, he he's has a heart to uh, you know to to go that extra mile, whether it be the to get that first down or get the get the touchdown. Uh, I, I think he has a uh, pretty good hands. I hope I, I'm sure they're, they're working on that as well. Uh, so Armstead looks like he could be the lead for the, uh, for the backup role for, for Fournette. But uh, I think that's still a little bit in the air. Uh, he, he's a nurse. He's had a couple of injuries this, uh, this summer. Uh, and I mentioned about uh, blue as well. And then you got the uh, Thomas Rawls who, I mean, what, what can you say about that guy? I mean, he set uh, rookie records in uh, in Seattle and then did everything but disappear uh, based on uh, injuries and the inability to uh, protect their prize possession, Russell Wilson. Uh, he was definitely criticized uh, for that. So if he can't, uh, you know, figure out pass coverage or pass protection, uh, he's not going to be uh, on the field as well. So uh, I, I think the front office still has some uh, – decisions to make as far as the uh, running backs go. But right now I'm, I'm looking for a uh, Fournette to uh, lead the way and, and be on the field the majority of the time. And with a rookie uh, backing him up. So one question that we normally have on all these episodes is uh, asking you for a dark horse for fantasy. I, I feel like you've already named him and Chris Connolly has seemed really high on him. So yeah. unless there's anyone else you want to talk about, or is there uh, just any fantasy football general topics that aren't necessarily related to the Jags that you wanted to discuss? Um, let's see. I mean, uh, possibly another one could be uh, DJ Chark as well as wide wide receiver. Uh, one of the one either Conley or Chark are gonna gonna emerge as the deep threat. Uh, I don't. I, I mean, it's rare to have a double <laughs> or two uh, deep threats. I mean, um, ask whatever team Deshaun. Jackson's ever on but uh so one of those two um with their speed and their their height I, I think both both of them I I would still lean lean a little more towards Conley but uh but Chark could be even a darker horse <laughs> if that's even possible for fan, for fantasy wise as well I mean def, definitely keep an eye on him see how he uh see how the targets are kind of dispersed you know the first couple weeks anything like that uh, he's most likely he's going to be on the waiver wire, I'm sure, uh, as is uh, Conley. But uh, you can definitely keep an eye on that. Um, but you you want to bear in mind uh, here in Jacksonville, the goal for Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone is to run the ball. It has been for several years now. Some people hate it. I don't have a problem with it as long as it's efficient and it doesn't revert to last year where you can't convert the third, third downs and you can't get the first downs. Uh, I don't have a problem with – with running the ball, when you have that, when you have a top five defense, uh, that that plays so much better when when they have the lead, uh, which is something you said early on in, in the uh, in the recording here. So, um, so yeah, I, th those would probably be be my guys. 
Awesome. Uh, and yeah, so I know you do play fantasy football. Um, yes. Yeah. And did you, again, did, is there any just general topics that you quickly wanted to go over something that you feel people are misevaluating grossly? Um, let's see here. I haven't really, um, for some reason, I, I feel good about the Falcons this year. I mean, I, I looked at uh, Matt Ryan and I look at their schedule. I want to say that they have at least 10 of the 16 games indoors, which if anybody knows Matt Ryan, he plays so much better indoors. And with the, the weapons they have is uh, at, at his disposable, disposal, I mean, I think he could get back to his uh, kind of MVP, MVP form. I mean, even last year, uh, you know, they of course the Falcons had the injury bug as well on defense. And Ryan still put up uh, great numbers. I want to say he definitely finished top five, if I remember right. And yeah, I just think he has a lot of weapons uh, at his disposal. Staying with the Falcons, I, I'm very interested to see what uh, Devontae Freeman does up there as a running back now that uh, Tevin Coleman's headed out west. I think uh, if Freeman can, you know, battle off the injuries, I mean, he is a smaller back. Uh, he does take some punishment. I mean, uh, hopefully Ito Smith can, uh, you know, spell him as, as well. But uh, Fre Freeman's the type of back that uh, that can get you the, the yards in between the tackles around the end or in the passing game. Uh, I think he could be uh, a steal in the late seconds or, or uh, early third round as well for fantasy. Uh, as far as uh, receivers go, I, I'm kind of interested to see what's going to go on with uh, former Jaguar Allen Robinson. I, I think he flashed last year a couple times, of course, coming off his uh, ACL injury. Uh, I personally, I was heartbroken to see Allen Robinson leave. I, I think he's uh, very talented, but apparently, of course, he didn't get along with the quarterback. You don't get along with the quarterback. You're going to have a ticket out of town. So, but uh, he, he, of course, landed up in Chicago uh, last year, missed a few games, but he definitely had a few few games as well where, uh, you know, just some of those awe moments that uh, that Robinson's known, known to do. Uh, his only his only trouble would be ha having the quarterback. I'm not completely sold on Mitchell Trubisky uh, in the least. In fact, uh, I'm not completely sold on the Bears. I got a lot of friends here that are uh, – actually Bears fans, uh, I guess uh, transplants from uh, up there, but, uh, and of course they don't want to hear this, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see the Bears really bouncing back this year. And I think a lot of that's going to be uh, the regression of uh, Trubisky, uh, the, the lack of a, of a proven runner in the backfield. Uh, I mean, they definitely have, they definitely have a stable of backs, but I, I think their, their schedule, they got a first place schedule this year. I think, I think they're going to, they're going to look a lot like last year's Jaguars. Um, you know, a lot of high hope going into the season, and uh, I, I don't see them. Uh, I don't see them getting over the hump this year. I can't really think of anything else uh, fantasy wise, but I, I, I am interested in uh, see what Robinson does up there because I guess uh, he is one of my favorites from back in the day. I guess with Robinson, the the one thing I'm most worried about is uh, the consistency in targets because sure. it seemed like last year they were spreading it out there, and I think. To Nagy's credit, that he was always finding ways to get good matchups, which means sometimes a receiver gets peppered, and other times they they see a one target per quarter. So I think right. that that's my one fear with Robinson, and maybe the Anthony Miller stepping up in his second year. Right. Uh, but I actually want to go back to talk about Freeman, uh, Devontae okay. Freeman. So I'm looking at ADP right now on Fantasy Football Calculator, and in PPR leagues, Leonard Fournette has an average draft position of 302, and Devontae Freeman 304. So put your uh, Jags fandom aside. 
If you had the choice between either of those two running backs, who would you prefer? Take, take it off the Jaguar hat. I'm still going to go with Fournette just for his, mainly for, for, for his size and his, once again, nose for the end zone. I think uh, he's going to get called upon. He's going to have more chances in the red zone inside the five-yard line if the team can get there, uh, which they didn't last year. Uh, whereas the the Falcons, with all those weapons, uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to uh, turn around and hand the ball off to Freeman when you have Julio Jones and Ridley and even Austin Hooper as a as a tight end in the red zone. So I, I would still lean towards, with, with scoring-wise, I, I would lean towards Fournette just because uh, his ability to get in the end zone. Because we have seen Freeman with a high touchdown upside, 2015 sure. and 16, he had double-digit touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's one big omission off that team. Uh, kind of got I don't know I don't know how much under the radar. I, Patrick Demarco was their fullback during those seasons, oh. and he's now in Buffalo. So gotcha. without so maybe that they're not as uh, efficient of a red zone running team as they were back in 2015-16. So I could okay. definitely see the. Maybe the rushing, the fourteen rushing touchdowns that he had the one year, maybe that's that upside doesn't quite exist. So I can get, I can get behind the, the Fournette over Freeman argument. Okay, very good. <laughs> All right. Uh, were there any other passing comments you wanted to end with, Brad? No, uh, nothing that I can, uh, nothing I can think of. Uh, I believe I covered everything. Just, uh, just getting ready for the season here. Uh, anxious to see. I mean, the Jaguars have a huge test. First week, uh, Kansas City comes into town. Uh, you're going to definitely uh, see what the what the defense is made of. Uh, I think Thursday night, the NFL learned what uh, the seventh overall pick, Josh Allen, was all about. The guy was uh, an absolute beast. Uh, if you didn't get a ch- chance to catch it, uh, I think uh, he had, had a sack. He had, uh, I want to say, two or three tackles for losses. Uh, just, you know, the guy is uh, the guy is special and. I think I want to say I feel like he's playing with a little chip on his shoulder because he fell all the way to seven. I mean, uh, he was he's projected top four, top five. And the fact that he was there for the Jaguars and, of course, as I mentioned before, a lot of people had uh, the Jaguars uh, leaning towards Hawkinson in the draft. But uh, to have a talent like Josh Allen fall to you, uh, it just allows the defense to really do all kind of things. Um, Right now, they're. They're moving uh, Calais inside, Calais Campbell inside at, at the tackle, uh, probably next to Darius on on passing downs, and then you have Ngakwe and Allen coming off the edge. That quarterback's going to have to get it out quickly. And then when you have two of the best corners in the league, and Jalen Ramsey and AJ Boye, you know th- th- things are going to happen. Uh, as far as a concern on the defense, uh, I mean, I love the corners. Uh, I love the love the love the front four. The safeties are going to be interesting. Ronnie, Han- uh, Ronnie Harrison is uh, going to be the strong safety. He's coming back in his second year. During his first year, he basically uh, replaced uh, Barry Church, and uh, he, you know, had some shining moments, had a couple bonehead moments, you know, r- rookie mistakes. But uh, everything that we're hearing now is uh, he, he's he's a leader back there and uh, really helping out the free safety, uh, Jared Wilson. Or, yeah, and um, they're – the, the concern would, would be at, at linebacker. Um, they lost Telvin Smith, or Telvin Smith has uh, – he's the weak, weak outside linebacker. And uh, he, I guess, uh, decided to uh, not play football this year. Uh, he made the announcement on uh, Instagram, if I remember right, 
so they're definitely a little thin at that position. I, I mean, it, it's hard to replace 215 tackles in a year or 100, whatever it is, but, uh, and, and the experience. So, I mean, sure. He didn't have his best year last year, uh, but he was a staple of that, uh, of that defense. And, He's going to be hard to replace. They're, they're looking to uh, replace him with either uh, a rookie, Quincy Williams, really a, who played safety in, in college at Murray State, but uh, just a phenomenal speed, hard nose, gets to the ball, uh, linebacker uh, who's battling a meniscus injury. I mean, sound like I'm on repeat here. Uh, but uh, also they have a, a good – who uh, came over from uh, Philly? He's he's got some play, playing playing experience. Uh, he, look for him to uh, play that will position as well. So, if once again the line's able to uh, the offensive line's able to move you know move the pile, get chunks of yardage, uh, even even if it's a field goal on on the first first drive or anything like that, they're going to put the defense in a better position uh, in order to rush the passer. And um, you know, hopefully, get some coverage sacks, coverage interceptions, anything like that. Uh, but just a very fast defense. I mean, it was a very eye-opening to, to watch them Thursday night because the first two games, you had the second and third teamers out there, wasn't much to look at. But uh, looks like Todd Wash, the defensive coordinator, has been he's like shuffling them around. There's there there were times when there were seven guys standing up at the line. You didn't know which way something was coming kind of makes me wonder that uh, whether or not Don Capers has a little bit of influence with that. Uh, he's, he was brought in to help with the defense as well here. I mean, they're, they're looking to uh, rejuvenate uh, Saxonville from uh, 2017 and uh, they definitely had the talent and, and the personnel to do it. It's uh, just going to be a matter if the offense can uh, help them get a lead and they can uh, just uh, pin their ears back and come out to the quarterback. I mean, as a Packers fan, I know all about Don Capers and the exotic blitzes and yeah. the types of pressures he likes to bring. So that will be interesting to watch for them this year. Uh, so, Brad, thank you for coming on. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Maybe mention your Twitter handle or any of the work you're doing? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, you can uh, check me out on Twitter at uh, at the rundown underscore bh. Uh, I like to have, like to have fun. You know, make some comments, uh, not just about Jaguars, really just about anything. Um, I've been writing uh, for full press coverage, I guess, moving into my uh, second year here. I've also uh, done a little bit of, uh, of the baseball side for uh, full press coverage, which is uh, really my passion. That's uh, I love the baseball. And uh, yeah, I'm just uh, looking forward to, uh, um, to another, to another season. I'm, I'm hoping to uh, have a, have a podcast with, with a buddy. Uh, his name's uh, Kevin Pound here in, here in town, where we're going to talk about, really any, anything and everything when it comes to football. And uh, that that's uh, hope, hopefully it'll be on my, uh, my Twitter feed as well. All right. So everyone look for that. Uh, and again, Brad, thank you for coming on. You're very insightful. So anyone go out and read Brad's stuff. And when this podcast does get off, off the ground, go listen to it. He's got a lot of great things to say. Awesome. And this was the full press fantasy podcast. As mentioned, part of the Full Press Radio Network. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at FPC underscore Fantasy Pod. Be sure to check out all the content that's being put out by Full Press Coverage at FP Coverage. Uh, for myself, Kyle Senra, you can follow me at Yama underscore KS. That's N-Y-A-M-A underscore KS. For my absentee co-hosts, you can follow 
Alessandro Senator at AM underscore Senator, and Dean Williams at FPC Eagles. Thank you, Brad Harvey, for stopping by and talking Jaguars on this episode of the Full Press Fantasy Podcast.